Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want to welcome you wherever you're joining us from and wherever you are in your faith journey. Happy Easter. I'm actually in a different location than usual, and I'll tell you why that is in just a few minutes. Hey, but before I begin, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go and grab a Sharpie. I just want you to grab it. I want you to hold on to it. No doodling. You're going to get a chance to doodle with it a little bit later. One of the most common questions I'm asked as a pastor, and here's how it's asked. Uh, someone will come up to me, and if there's a crowd of people, they'll, they'll say, hey, can we leave the crowd because they don't want anybody to know they're asking this question. And then with hesitancy in their voice, they'll say, can I ask you a question? And I know right there it's going to be one of four things. Sex, money, marriage, or what we are talking about here today. they say, hey, can I ask you a question? Do you ever doubt? And before I answer, I try to lock eyes with them and look really serious, and here's how I answer them. Never. Never. I never doubt. Why, do you? Oh, man, how, how could you have doubts? What is wrong with you? No, I don't actually answer that way. I'll say, yeah, of course I do. And when I answer, I'll get one of two responses. One is relief, and the other is loss of respect, because they're like, you're a pastor. How could you have doubts? Today, I want to talk about something that was not only and is not only a big part of our lives, but was also a big part of the people who were there in the Easter story. I want to talk about living in the tension of faith and doubt. Here's the thing. We all have faith. You might say, well, Mark, I'm not much of a faith person. But if we were to sit down and I was to ask you, hey, tell me how you think the world works. You would say something like this. Well, I believe that. That's faith. Or I've always thought that. That's faith. That in your way of thinking, there's an element of faith, and and that's okay. We all have that. But we also all have doubt. Uh, You might not be a Christian you might say, well, Mark, I'm more of an agnostic or an atheist, or I just believe, you know, everybody's just a spiritual person, or I I only believe in science. Whatever it is you believe, you have doubts. Uh, You might be a Christian, and like me, you you go through times and seasons where you doubt your faith. In fact, this might be one of those times right now with all that's going on with with, with COVID-19. And no matter where you are or what you believe, we all live in the tension of faith and doubt. You know, the good news about the Easter story is that we discover that this tension is not only a good thing, but is a necessary thing. There are actually four accounts of the Easter story in what we know as the New Testament part of the Bible. Now, if you're not a Bible person, uh, the New Testament is just the part of the Bible uh, where Jesus comes onto the scene. And the Easter account that we're going to look at today is actually the, the one that's found in the book of John. John, who wrote this account, Uh, was not only one of Jesus' 12 disciples, but he was considered the closest to Jesus. And so what we are going to read was written by someone who was actually there. And John tells us on this Sunday morning, or what we know as as Easter morning, Mary Magdalene goes to Jesus' tomb because she's going to anoint his body, but the stone has been rolled away, so she just assumes that someone has stole the body. Well, eventually, Jesus, a a resurrected Jesus, appears to Mary And uh, she gets so excited, she runs off and she tries to find the disciples and she tells them what happened, but none of them believe her 
because they have yet to see Jesus. And so this is where we pick things up. Here's what John records. He says this. He says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, and they were probably together in a room much like the one uh, I'm standing in right now, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So why were they afraid? Well, they were afraid because when you kill the leader of the movement, guess who's probably next? The followers. And so the Easter story is not a story of great faith. The Easter story is actually the story of great fear. And so they're afraid. And so Jesus came and stood among them. And because they're afraid, he says, peace be with you, because he's just trying to calm them down. And then John continues, after he said this, he showed them his hands. And the reason it is that he had big holes in, in his wrists, not his hands actually, his wrists, because they were put there when they were going to nail him to the cross. And then his side, before they took him down to make sure that he was dead, they put a big spear through his side. It says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw this, which when I read this word overjoyed, I'm thinking that's kind of an understatement. I mean, you know, when they see one of their friends just being resurrected, you know, overjoyed, I would think anyways, it'd be more than that. But John then goes on to tell us that not all of the disciples were overjoyed. He says this, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so after Jesus died, Thomas, who was one of the disciples, uh, he leaves the other disciples and he goes missing in action for seven days because he is just devastated about the loss of Jesus. And then it says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And so the disciples go to their friend Thomas and they're like, hey, Thomas, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. You missed it. Have you ever felt like you, you missed something important? A couple years ago, uh, I was at a Brewers game and every time I go to a Brewers game, I, I just, I want to catch a foul ball. I've never caught a foul ball before. And uh, at this particular game, we were sitting in the 200 section, which if you don't know anything about the stadium, uh, the odds of us catching a, a foul ball were, were pretty much slim to none. Well, it's the third inning, and uh, the third inning's going on. I just decide during the third inning to get up, and I'm, I'm going to go get a hot dog. And so I go up, get a hot dog. I come back, and I'm getting ready to sit down. And one of the guys that I was with, he said, oh, man, you missed it. You would have caught a foul ball. I'm like, you know, sure I would have, you know, sure. He goes, no, 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 you would have caught a foul ball. foul ball. Look, and then he points to the person who is sitting behind me, and the person sitting behind me holds, holds, a baseball. And, and my friend goes, yeah, that would have hit you in the chest the one time, you know, and of course I missed my opportunity. And I imagine, you know, th this is Thomas and the disciples are like, hey, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. You should have stayed with us. You missed it. And I love Thomas's response. Thomas says this. He says, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in the hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas is like, hey, listen, I'm not going to believe until I have proof. What I love about Thomas's response is that not only was he a doubter, but he was a certain kind of doubter. And there are really three kinds of doubters. You know, first doubter is, is people who believe, but they also have doubts. You know, like me, you follow Jesus but you go through periods of doubts. And, and you might have even talked to some people about your doubts, and, and here's what you were told. You were told things like, well, everything happens for a reason, or you just have to have faith, or you just have to have more faith, or you were just made to feel that something was wrong with you because of your doubts. And as a, re as a result, your doubts keep growing, and so does the guilt you have about your doubts. You know, there's a second kind of doubter. And the second time is people who want to believe, but they can't. 
It's not that you're not open to believing, but you have questions. It's not that you're not open to believing, but because of circumstances that that are going on in your life, you're making it very difficult, and you're finding it very difficult to believe. I can't tell you how many stories uh, that I've heard throughout the years where someone came to me and they said, you know, I prayed for the cancer to go away, or I, I prayed for my alcoholic father. I prayed for God to save my marriage. I prayed for God to save my house, give me a job. You know, I prayed for something, and that prayer wasn't answered. And you want to believe, but you can't bridge the idea of a, a loving God and a God who is seemingly absent and silent in your life. But there's a third doubter, and this doubter is people who don't want to believe. You know, it's not that you don't believe, you just don't want to believe. You know, and every time you know, you're talking about faith, you just say, hey, I don't believe because, and you always have a reason. But the reality is, is that you don't want the story of Jesus to be true. And you don't want to acknowledge the idea of sin to be true. And you don't want to live in a world that is governed by the God that Jesus talked about. And this runs so deep for you that it clouds every piece of argument that you see. And you always arrive at this point where you say, you know what, I just don't believe. Thomas, I think, I think Thomas was in this one right here. You know, he wanted to believe, but he couldn't. But he was still open to it. And the reason he couldn't believe is because he saw Jesus die. And in his experience, when someone died, they stayed dead. But here's how we know that Thomas was open. John tells us, says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And so even though he didn't believe, he still stays with the disciples who all believed. Then though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and once again, he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, I love this, then he, he deals directly with Thomas in a loving way. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. All right, I want you to take out your Sharpie now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your Sharpie. And I want you to, I want you to just color a circle on your wrist. It's about an inch and a half. I just want you to color it like this. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that this circle is really a hole that's in your wrist. And the reason that hole is there is because someone hammered a nail that is six inches long and about an inch wide right through your wrist. And there it is. And you can reach out and you can touch it at any time. Go ahead and do that for me. Just touch that. This is Thomas. And, uh, but for Thomas, this wasn't his hand, the hole in his hand. This was the hole in Jesus's hand. I want you to imagine this. I just want you to imagine the scene and Thomas is able to reach out to Jesus and, and just touch the very hole in his wrist. I bet you that image was seared in his mind for the rest of his life. I love Thomas's uh, response to this. He says this. He says, my Lord and my God. And so this is Thomas's confession. This wasn't Thomas being convinced that the resurrection was true. This is the resurrection convinces Thomas that, that who Jesus said he was to be true, and that is none other, none other than God himself. And then Jesus, I love this, Jesus addresses you, and he addresses me. And here's what Jesus says. 
He said, because you have seen me, you have believed, which that, I mean, that doesn't take a whole lot of faith. But then he says this, blessed are those, blessed, better off are those, better off are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Better are those who have not seen and yet they still believe something that they don't see. So why would Jesus say that we are better off uh, for better off than Thomas who, who saw why are we better off than Thomas for believing and not seeing? Why would Jesus say, hey, we are better off for living in the tension of faith and doubt? Here's the thing about faith. Faith isn't simply holding beliefs. You know, we say things like this. We say things like, well, I believe that God exists, or I believe only in science, or I believe that love is the greatest virtue, and uh, we, we think that's faith. But at its core, faith is really this. Faith puts trust in a person. Faith actually puts trust in a, in a person. You see, what we think we want is we want certainty like Thomas. Have you ever prayed what I call the certainty prayer? The certainty prayer goes like this. Okay, God, uh, I'll believe if you just show yourself to me. I know I've prayed that over a hundred times. But what we really want is not certainty. Do you know what we really want? We want trust because trust is way better than certainty because trust honors the freedom of the person and trust allows connection. Trust allows relationship and personal relationship. It makes that possible. There can't be that without trust. I've been married to my wife, Donna, for, for 23 years. And let's just say we're having a conversation and, uh, and you say to me, hey, do you think your wife's been faithful to you all that time? And I say, well, yeah, I, 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 fir I firmly believe that. And then you say, hey, would you like to know for sure? Because I, I, can help you, I can help you know for sure. Do you want to be certain about it? Hey, I've created this Donna Cam, and uh, this Donna Cam, it can, it can be 24-7 surveillance on her. Would you want to do that? You know what I would say to you? I would say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to choose to trust instead. You know, I'm choosing to trust because in choosing to trust, I am giving her a part of myself that allows connection to happen. You see, here's the thing about certainty. The terms are this. The terms are, you know, I choose to trust because I know for sure. Listen, that's not trust. That's control. Here's what trust is. I trust. And I don't know for sure. But I'm still giving you this gift of myself. And see, here's the part that, that doubt plays in the whole thing. You see, as long as doubt is there, faith is needed. See, doubt is not a bad thing. Doubt is actually the very thing that can drive us to deeper levels of trust, which means it drives us to deeper levels of connection. You know, this is why Jesus says, he says, hey, we are better off for believing and not seeing because we have all been invited to put our faith, literally our trust, doubts and all, in who Jesus is and who he claimed to be. Now, this is why John, right after this, he, he realizes this is a big risk for anyone who, who will do this. And so this is why right after this, he says, I just want to let you know this trust is warranted and why it's worth the risk. Here's what he writes. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this, in this book. And the greatest sign that he records 
is the, is the reason we celebrate Easter, that he actually rose from the dead. And if someone can rise from the dead, it validates everything that they ever said. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and, and the life. If you believe in me, you will never die. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will never live in darkness. And then John writes, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so John is not saying, hey, we don't have to put our trust in Jesus without any reason or evidence to. What John is saying is he's saying we are asked to put our trust in, in Jesus based on the evidence of those who were actually there. They actually saw the holes in the wrist and the hole in the side. And then he says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That John says that you know why this is worth it? Because on the other side of us putting our trust in Jesus, we experience something that we all want. We want life in his name. We want a life of forgiveness, freedom, purpose, and most of all, the opportunity to know and experience God. You know, most of us remember a couple years ago, the 33 Chilean uh, miners who, uh, who were actually trapped in darkness uh, 2,000 feet, over 2,000 feet uh, below, the surface, below the surface of the earth when 700,000 tons of rock just fell on top of them. There was actually a movie that they made about this. It was called The 33. And these miners, they weren't just trapped under there for two or three days in darkness. They were trapped under there 68 entire days. I mean, over two months. Well, during this time, before anybody knew the outcome of, of what was going to happen, uh, one of the miners, he decided that he was going to reach through the darkness and try to do his best to cling on to hope. And his wife was pregnant at this time, and uh, they had already decided uh, that they were going to name their future daughter Carolina. But it was during this time in the darkness and his desire to, to cling on to hope that he sent a message out that she was able to get. And the message was this, we're not going to name her Carolina. We're going to name her Esperanza, which for my, all my Spanish-speaking friends, you know what that means. Hope. And so he clung to this, and he clung to hope in the darkness, and eventually hope broke through the darkness in the form of a 21-inch diameter tube, and all the miners were rescued. On that first Easter morning, hope broke through the darkness in the form of the risen Son of God. And every day since then, it's the risen Son of God is continuing to break through the darkness of people's lives and provide hope. And this hope isn't just a thought. This hope is a person, a real person. And his name is Jesus, and you can have that hope. I want to wrap up my time by just talking to the three groups of doubters. And uh, the first group of doubters that I want to talk to are those of you, you just don't want to believe. Listen, if that's you, we are so glad that you tuned in with us, and uh, we hope that you'll just come back again and you'll continue to tune, tune in with us. But I want to challenge you with, with a question. And here's the question I want to challenge you with. Hey, what do you want to believe? And I just want you to be honest with yourself. You see, because we can find reasons to not believe anything, but this question right here is such a powerful question because this question will open up possibilities outside of just what you want to believe. And the second group 
of doubters are those of you, you follow Jesus, but you're, you're dealing with some doubts about your faith. Let me ask you this question. What are you doubting right now? You might be doubting uh, just Jesus and, and who he is. You might be doubting God's power. You might be doubting God's love, especially with all that we've been experiencing over the last couple of weeks. You've been looking around and you've been praying and it's like, hey God, where are you? Why don't you do anything about this? And so you're wrestling with, with your doubts. and As a result, you're just starting to kind of lean away from God right now. I want to challenge you. Would you be willing to lean into God and towards God and let your doubts drive you to deeper levels of trust. and Just be honest with God and go, God, I don't get this. I don't understand. I'm frustrated, but you know what? I'm going to keep trusting. And the final group are those of you who are open to believing, but you just right now, you can't. Let me ask you, would you be willing to do what Thomas did and stay in the group? You know, would you, I, I want to invite you to come back next week, in fact, and uh, we're going to start a brand new series I'm going to talk about in a little bit that, that's all in relationships. Would you just, I just want to invite you back to next week. Or maybe for you, it's you were invited by a friend who, who's a follower of Jesus. Would you be willing to reach out to that person and just say, can we talk about faith issues? Or we have this, these online starting point groups, we call them. And these are groups of people who just get together and they talk about their doubts uh, in, a, in a setting where you are with a bunch of other people who are experiencing the very same thing you are. Maybe it is that you join a starting point group. We all live in the tension of, of faith and doubt. And over the last couple weeks, what we've discovered is many of the things that we put our faith in are very, very fragile. But there's one thing that is not fragile. And in the New Testament, they call that the good news. You know what the good news is? Is that there's a God who loves you so much that he sent his son into the world for you. And his son went to the cross. He has holes in his hands that are still there to this day. And he rose from the dead. And that through placing your trust in him, you can have life in his name. And for some of you, you want that today. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Here's how we do that here. Uh, this is really just an exchange between God and you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, but my prayer is not a magical prayer. My prayer is just going to serve as a guide. And what you'll do is, is this is your opportunity to, God, here's where I am. I trust in what Jesus did, and I'm trusting him with my life. Let's bow our head and let me, let me pray. Father, um, I've realized today that uh, I have been trusting in things that are so fragile, they don't really matter. And uh, I believe that you sent Jesus into the world and that he died for my sins and he rose from the dead. And it is through him and through what he's done for me that I can have life, new life, forgiveness, freedom, an opportunity to truly know and experience you. Father, I want that. I invite Jesus into my life. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Fill me with your spirit. And uh, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that what you've done for me by sending Jesus, and I am so excited about experiencing life with you, life in his name. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.